This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. A gloomy Saturday, but a good Saturday nonetheless. Great to be on here on the weekend at TSN 1050. I'm Kayla Gray, and you are listening to Home Court. I'm filling in for Megan McPeak, who is dealing with 905 duties as they are in action this afternoon. And joining me is Josh Lewenberg, TSN's Raptors beat reporter and TSN's basketball analyst, Dwayne Watson. How are you guys doing? Great. Happy to have you all with us today. Thanks, y'all. You're brightening the day already. Thank you. It's gross outside. Hey. It's, is it wintertime yet, officially or no? Uh, it's, still it, it's still confused. I'm in winter and, boots, so... <laughs> I'm not even sure it knows what to do out there today. It's not It's not quite raining. Yep. It's like misting. Oh, it's a hot mess. But something that hasn't been a hot mess for the last three games is the Toronto Raptors. And them coming off of their win against the Knicks last night. Their third straight victory. I mean, when we talk about this offense, it was all about this new look offense. Reset. Culture reset. New look offense. They got to get the three ball going. Well, guess what? They did. And I thought that they looked pretty good over their last stretch, especially in the game against the Rockets. Yeah, without question. I think uh, obviously the threes have started falling, but I know the ball movement was always a concern. And, you know, it's, it's, have they, has Kyle Lowry not bought in, but has he kind of found his balance of where he fits in in terms of playing his game and also facilitating? I think DeMar DeRozan kind of found that sooner than we would have thought. But um, we're seeing that Kyle's also be able to excel and have his game, and everyone else will be able to get involved. I think that's been key. He's figuring it out, and this is a, a timely conversation with the Wizards coming to town again tomorrow because I thought that Washington game, the one in which he was ejected in the second quarter, yep. was a turning point. I have right. the numbers right here in eight games before... A turning point? A turning point. That's what you think. Okay, so... Eight games before the ejection, 13 points per game, uh, one and a half free throw attempts per game, 39% field goal shooting, 34% from three. In the, since, in the six games since then, uh, almost 20 points a game. And remember, that's a plateau he didn't even reach yep. until like right. game number 14 of the season. 51% shooting, 44% from three. And he's doing it all in about the same amount of minutes with actually fewer touches. And remember, that was sort of his gripe back a few weeks ago is that he was touching the ball less, playing less, and having to adjust. Well, it seems like he's doing that now. He's figuring it out. That's efficiency. I mean, if you can do be just as equally as effective with less touch, less minutes, that's that's definitely efficient. Right. So, so can we officially scrap that the, the bogus narrative? He's that not playing his worth, and he just somehow forgot how to play basketball <laughs> randomly. <laughs> I think we can finally scrap that. And someone that will be coming on on the show at around one forty five is TSN's voice of the Raptors, Jack Armstrong, with more on that. And as Josh had alluded to, the Wizards in town tomorrow. We don't know if John Wall will be on the floor as he is dealing with some injuries. Someone who will be able to provide an update on that, Chase Hughes, who is the Wizards beat reporter. And later on in the show, Michelle O'Keefe, president and CEO of Canada Basketball, to give us the happenings in Halifax as they're having their first qualifier game out there um, against the Bahamas. So that should be a very interesting game. I know the East Coast has been desperately wanting some ball out there. So we'll get into that as well. But to your point, Josh, Kyle Lowry kind of shutting down and shutting up People who have said he has not played to what he signed for. And, you know, is he on the other side when it comes to age, injury? 
And I feel as though it was just one of those things where it was a slow start. But one one thing I would say was with the new look offense, I thought that Kyle would fit in seamlessly with it just because he works so well off the ball like that. I thought DeMar would be the one that would struggle a lot more with it. I would agree with you because you know, Kyle is a facilitator by nature. He kind of takes over when he wants to, but he's more of a facilitator. DeMar is a guy who tends to kind of like hold the ball more and do his thing. And you're right. I thought it would be the other way around. And obviously, in the bottom line, it kind of seems like it's not an issue anymore. And if that's the case... They have guys who can help them. It's not like these guys have to rely on doing everything themselves, as we're seeing with the depth of the lineup and guys coming in and filling it for injuries and, and all that stuff. So they have a deep team that can step up when needed. They seem to think it was going to be the other way around, too. You mm-hmm. saw that frustration from Kyle because I thought he figured it would be uh, an easier adjustment. He spoke to us the morning right. of the game on opening night and, and sort of pointed to the fact that, yeah, I mean, he played in Houston where they uh, right. had a similar style offensively and that, of course, as you mentioned, Kayla, so much of his skill set would seem conducive to a lot of the things they're right. emphasizing now. So uh, he didn't think, he thought it would be a piece of cake, and it wasn't because, let's face it, the reality is in, in basketball, like in life, change isn't easy. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It can be done, but it takes time. And I, I think... Kyle is a guy who, I mean, he he hates losing, which is a great quality to have for an NBA player, for a competitor. And he he gets frustrated when things aren't going right, both for himself and, and probably more so for the team. So he was wearing that a little bit, but now he's playing well. The team is winning. That's not going to last the entire season. There's going to be ups and downs, but he needs to stay level-headed. We saw last night after the game, Lowry and DeRozan joking around a bit. And that's something, quite frankly, we haven't seen a lot of yes. this season. So it's good to see the team sort of starting to feel better about themselves. And they're carrying themselves with confidence. Yeah, Kyle Lowry, a huge proponent for practice, persistence, and patience. <laughs> and, you know, it obviously did turn into a positive, but through the last three games and through this week, the injury bug has been something as well. So, guys, from you, what's your plus-minus for this week? Well, uh, segueing from the injury bug, no Serge Ibaka yeah. last night against the Knicks, and it didn't matter because Pascal Siakam rose to the occasion. He is absolutely my plus for this week. Uh, He he had a pretty good game. I guess it was in New Orleans as well, but they really needed him last night uh, starting the game off on Chris Dapp's Porzingis, and I'll tell you this. I'm not sure we've seen anyone guard Porzingis as well as Siakam did last night. Maybe LeBron threw stretches in that Cleveland game where uh, the Cavs came back and beat the Knicks, but LeBron covered him for what? A a half? A quarter? Siakam did it for the entire game last night. I said this on the broadcast yesterday is that, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I sort of raised an eyebrow when I heard Jerry Stackhouse call Siakam the Raptors' best defender Mm. over the summer. But it's not looking so crazy anymore. (laughs) He was impressive last night. In addition to the defense, he had four or five buckets simply from outrunning guys. Yep. And five assists as well for Siakam. Well, you mentioned running the floor, and I remember a post-game show we had. Kyle Lowry said he's the best teammate he's had at running the floor. Right. We heard that, and we're like, kind of like, uh, I don't know about that, Kyle. You play with some guys. Mm. But he's showing that he's great at throwing the lanes, running the floor. But one thing you notice is just the chemistry that him and Kyle have had have been able to yep. just sort of get like that. And when you look at Kyle and JV, it was never that case. It took so long to get to that point. And I think that's just the style of play that Pascal 
plays with. I think that's a credit to Kyle, too. I yeah. mean, we see him doing that with Bebe, throwing those lobs, and he had a, a couple really nice passes to Pirtle in the second half yesterday as well. So, I mean, he and DeRozan, credit to both of them. Make, I'll throw them into the plus as well because they're both making a conscious effort right. to get other guys involved and specifically those bigs. You know Pascal's going to run. You know Bebe's going to jump. Yep. You know that Pirtle is going to roll. So if they're looking for those guys to just simply do their jobs, do what they do, then I, I think that makes everybody better. And just to add to that, Kyle likes bigs who move the ball. And yes. I think if you do that, yep. he's always going to find you rewards you. Um, my plus is the offense. I mean, we thought the defense, how is the offense going to work? Obviously, last three games, 129, 125, 107 points, shooting great field goal percentage, so having, 100, having 111 points per game. The offense is clicking, and it's not, mm-hmm. and this is with Kyle just arriving to the party, so to speak. So the fact that they can play games like the game against the Pelicans, which is like an offensive going back and forth and still coming on top is a positive thing. They're second in the NBA in offense right now behind only the ridiculous Golden State Warriors, but they've been a top six offensive team in each of the last three seasons. Here's the difference. They're doing it this year the way they said they were going to do it. It's still early. Again, we're still expecting ups and downs throughout the season, but they're doing it with ball movement, they're doing it with three-point shooting, and they're doing it with pace. They're getting up and down the floor this season, something they've never really done under Dwayne Casey. Right, now 9-2 when they score 100 or more points in a game. Um, But, you know, no DeLon, no Norm, last night no surge. You look to the second unit, which has been a huge storyline at the start of the season. Could you say that the Raptors have one of the best benches in the East I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I mean, we've seen a lot of it uh, yeah. all season until almost the point where we're complaining about this two initial guys in rotation. Um, they're a deep team, and I think that's a big difference between the offense changing, shifting, and having other guys who can step in and step up. And that kind of comes from my negative. I think uh, the injuries, of course, have been, could be a positive in terms of people stepping up, but also you want to have this chemistry, this development, this team, everyone playing together and knowing where they fit in because I think there's still questions in terms of yeah. does Norm start still? I mean, personally to me, but Coach Casey's probably going to give them that. So just having all these guys together to figure out what they need to get better at and how they have to be more effective together as a unit. I'll take it a step further, KG. They have one of the best benches in the NBA, Ooh, not just the Eastern Jay Conference. Blue. They are second the benches in the NBA right now, also in offensive efficiency, and they're fourth in the NBA in net rating and what's so impressive to me is as great as this Raptors second unit has been I'm using air quotes because it hasn't been one unit their second unit has been sort of a revolving door of so many different guys they've been cycling in I guess it's seven guys for five spots different guys have stepped up when they've been called upon but that's just it is everyone has been ready and going back to the injury conversation with guys out of the lineup that's what you need this is the time of the year when you're missing guys where having the, the kind of depth that the Raptors have is really beneficial official because you know whoever you call on to step up in the absence of other guys, they're going to be ready. And I guess the benefit here of having played 12 guys during a stretch where we really question whether or not Dwayne Casey should be playing 12 guys. Well, now (laughs) when you say, okay, well, uh, Lucas, we need you to play more minutes to fill in for Serge or uh, Pascal, we need you to play more minutes to fill Mm -hmm. in for, for Serge. Fred for DeLon. Yep. Those guys aren't coming in cold yeah. now because they've been playing. Yep. Yeah, well, the status is DeLon up in the air, so all eyes on Fred Van Vliet to sort of take over that role. Josh Lundberg had a, a chance to speak with him, and we'll hear what he had to say coming up right after the break. You're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050, Toronto. Huge news. DeLon Wright 
We all saw it with the Pelicans game, which we heard here on 1050. You know, when you're here and you see him grabbing his arm and then grabbing the shoulder, it's, it never spells for a good thing because that's an injury from last year that took him out for a, for, for a chunk of the season. Um, when you look at who has stepped up in terms of his injury norms, when you're looking at OG as well, who have who do you think answered the call the most? I mean, it's it depends. I kind of look at, I mean, it's not really really Delon. I'm looking at. I really looked at Pascal last night in terms of how right. Josh you mentioned how he played yes, defensively, everything he did. I think so. Delon's situation, I think it's going to be, you know, Lorenzo Brown played minutes last night, so it's like a lot of guys collectively filled that role. Um, but I'm looking at it, Serge and Pascal really stepped up, and I think, you know, we talk about the fact that. This is a guy who started a bunch of games for the team last year and then found himself out of the rotation and kind of stepped back in and they had to find minutes for him and this happened in a, in a way that wasn't the plan. But got, everyone on this team is stepping up for situations like OG, like Pascal, like Fred. So it's a positive thing to have, but I think Pascal's my guy. Yeah, that, there, I'm not sure that there's one yeah. answer here because, mm-hmm. of course, we know Norm Powell, he's missed three games. OG has stepped into the, his role as the starting Three men and has been really good. Right. Delon Wright goes out in that game against New Orleans. Fred Van Vliet steps in as the backup point guard in the second half and scores ten points. Was a big part of how the Raptors were able to pull away there. And then Ibaka misses last night and Siakam steps up. So that's a positive thing for the Raptors and that's a negative thing for uh, our poll question because it's not going to be so yeah. easy to pick. <laughs> One there. Uh, I'm just going to go with OG because of how impressed I've been, not just in the absence of Powell, but in this early part of the season. And to reiterate, we've said this a bunch of times and how impressed we are with him. He's not, he wasn't even supposed to be on the court at, at this juncture in the season. Yeah. People expected him to be out until late November, maybe December. It's the biggest reason why he fell to the Raptors at 23. And boy, are they happy he fell to them. Uh, he has been a revelation. Early in the season, he actually came into last night's game already. The team leader Mm -hmm. in plus-minus was a plus-25 last night. So now a plus-88 on the season, which passes Jason Tatum uh, for top spot among rookies in plus-minus. He's had a positive impact almost every time he's been on the floor, and he's doing it on both ends of the court. And we've been talking about youth stepping in all the time, but let's not forget C.J. Miles in this stretch. He's played great basketball, yeah. too. Yeah. 13 threes in the last three games, um, double digits. And, and his offense and his shooting is going to help this team immensely. So, like we said, collectively, it's a lot of different guys stepping up. Well, it's not a coincidence, going back to Miles here, is that the Raptors' offense has been great. We've touched on that. It's been great in part because their three-point shooting has been great. And their three-point shooting has been great because (laughs) because their best three-point shooters are hitting threes. CJ Miles and Kyle Lowry. Not only uh, do you rely on those guys because they're two of really only three or four legitimate three-point shooting threats that you have, but they're such volume shooters that if they're not not on, if, if those shots aren't falling... You're going to struggle. And that was the case early on in the season. The Raptors shot 30% from beyond the arc in their first nine games. That was good for dead last in the NBA. In the six games since, they're shooting 43%. And again, that coincides with C.J. Miles getting hot and Kyle Lowry getting hot. And they have to hit those because a lot of those shots are open shots. Mm -hmm. And that's what the offense is set up to do, so they got knocked those down. And of course, we want to hear from you. We have the home court TSN poll up on the TSN 1050 Toronto 
account. Again, given the injuries the team has faced, which Raptor has stepped up the most? We have Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Jakob Pertl, and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, OG leading the way with 39%. You guys shocked? No, I agree. Yeah, I would have voted for OG again. I'm not sure that I can pick one, but if I'm going body of work here, just in in terms of who has done it more consistently, whereas Fred stepped up in that one game against New Orleans, we saw Siakam last night. Uh, OG has been bringing it. I mean, with the exception of the New Orleans game yeah, where he wasn't was, yeah. great, but that's going to happen for a rookie. For the most part, the fact that he's been able to do it so consistently as a first year player is impressive. Do you see this tailing off at all, Dwayne? Um, I don't think the thing I like the most about him is his defense, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to tail off yeah. based on how he plays and his personality and how he gets after it. Um, the three point shooting, I mean, like if he can kind of shoot at a good clip, that's good. But like you said, it's going to be consistent as a rookie. But I think defensively, he's going to bring it for this team in and out, and that's that's key. Generally, you expect the ups and downs from the rookies. You expect them at some point to hit a rookie wall. But what makes OG unique, and one of the reasons why the Raptors loved him and and love him in that role is nothing seems to phase him. He's so level-headed and when you're level-headed, generally you don't succumb to the ups and downs, the roller coaster of emotions as much as an an emotional young player would. Uh, So I think that poise goes a long way and will help him in in his continued growth as an NBA player. And you know, when you look at the Raptors, I feel like they've kind of caught a bug with their rookies where they've had to really hurry them up in terms of development and I'm you know likening the Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl pairing to the Terrence Ross and Jonas Valanciunas and those are two separate things what's the difference here between these guys are guys coming into the league just more NBA ready or is it just the positions that they were able to land in Pascal and Jakob that they just fit well, if you look at a lot of the guys who come in from the Raptors, they've been like four-year players, yeah. almost most of them. And also, since the JV Terrence Ross thing, the 905 has been able to help them get yeah. those minutes, which they didn't really have the luxury of having. So I think those two things, development has been really key for this ball club over the past little while, and they've recognized that. And I think that's why we're seeing so many young players be able to contribute at this stage with a question. Yeah, it's not an accident. Uh, this is a credit to the Raptors scouting staff and the front office for finding these guys and then a credit to the coaches for developing them. These are players uh, different ages, different stages in their careers. Uh, we're talking about some three-year players in DeLon and Norm, a rookie in OG, uh, a couple second-year players in Pirtle and Siakam. They play different positions, but the common denominator here. Uh, well, there's a few of them. Work ethic, mm-hmm. which is something the Raptors look for. They're all high-character guys, yep. mature guys, uh, which is something that they look for. And these are all qualities that the Raptors emphasize as much or more as any specific skill, or in the case of Fred Van Vliet, even size. You're looking for men. You're looking for guys that can come in uh, and that won't need to be coddled or baby. Right. Guys that can come in and contribute both on and off the floor because they fit the Raptors culture and and how about that and I know we've talked about this a lot over the years for an organization a franchise that for so long was uh, just desperate for any kind of identity Mm -hmm. they've really found it here and now if you're coming into this organization you better fit in it's the same way that the San Antonio Spurs have developed their sort of culture it's fit in or get out yeah and I mean you know when we look back to season ending interviews in Maasai with the culture reset that went viral in Toronto, and what the heck does that mean? If the Hashtag same, culture reset. If the same personnel is coming back, right. what is that? 
Do you see that at all with this group that maybe now they've they've got something going, they've got a groove, or is this just something that over the years they've grown into? What's really interesting is at the time when we all heard the words culture reset, I think we all thought it meant overhaul, right? Uh, Then what we assumed from what we saw in the offseason as well as all the talk about changing the offense is that culture reset has now come to be known for these offensive changes that the Raptors are making. But what Masai Ujiri has talked about, what, uh, what he's told me in conversations over the last few months is that when he thinks culture reset, they really went back to the drawing board in the way that the Raptors do almost everything on a day-to-day basis. It's the little details that all kind of combine to make uh, a big impact in the way that the organization approaches things like conditioning. They were keeping a very close eye on body fat for all of their players over the offseason. It's something that Masai has told me that they're now testing for every couple weeks and trying to keep everyone under or around 10% uh, body fat. It's something as simple as the way players get back to the hotel on the road after shoot-arounds in the morning or practices. It used to be that they could take Ubers or cabs when they were done. If Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan finished up before the young guys who stuck around, they could get out of there. Now everyone's got to stick around and wait for the team bus. These are things that promote unity, camaraderie, uh, that try to avoid things like complacency that the Raptors may have been guilty of in the past. So culture reset, yeah, I mean, the offense is looking great. The changes that they're trying to implement, we've seen them, but it's bigger than that. There are things going on behind the scenes that have contributed to to this culture reset that I, I think most people don't even know about. And you're right. When we first heard that, we were like, how is that possible? It happened when they changed. But, you know, you mentioned organizations like the Spurs and even the Warriors. Like, these are things that these organizations do. Like, those little things that you don't really yep. think about fit into kind of change identity and culture of this ball club. And you can see it's translating on the court as well. All in building a dynasty. All right. When we come back, we will hear from Fred Van Vliet, who had the chance to talk to our very own Josh Lewenberg. More from that after these messages. You're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050, Toronto. This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. Lorenzo Brown near side, left wing, down to the baseline. Kicks out to Anunobi, drives on Beasley, lays it up and in. What a quick first step by OG Anunobi. The youngsters got 11. Paul Jones with the call. OG Anunobi stepping up when called upon. And our next guest... TSN's Jack Armstrong, a face you will see on TSN this Wednesday, November 22nd, when the Raptors take on the Knicks once again. Thanks for joining us, Jack. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Heading heading to the old stomping grounds, I see. But, you know, when you talk about this group and the injuries that they've had to face with DeLon, with Norm, and yesterday Serge Ibaka sitting out... uh, you know, when you look at the young guys in the second unit and the way that they've had to step up, Dwayne Casey has to be very confident with the depth he has. Yeah, no, it's really uh, worked out. I think uh, the fact that they committed to this in the preseason and made those guys a, a, a part of what they were doing, I think really helps uh, their own confidence in themselves as players. And I thought Dwayne made some interesting comments yesterday after the game. You know, just saying, hey, you know, I, I think the trust factor that Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan 
have, and more importantly, that that it's growing, uh, really helps as well. Like kind of, you know, when you've been able to mix and match these guys so much um, in in the preseason and early part of the regular season, I think now those two guys see that hey, you know what, those guys can play. Like you know, hey man, I look around, I got a chance. I, if I trust these guys, you know, we got a chance. So okay. And I think if you see Lauer, particularly DeRozan's assist numbers, and particularly early in games, uh, to me, I think that's that's been a, a really cool development. And 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 I think Lowry really enjoys uh, when he sees DeLon Wright and uh, Fred VanVleet have success. I think he really enjoys when he hooks up uh, Nagara, Pirtle, Siakam. Uh, he's constantly looking for those guys and uh, has supreme trust in them and I think that creates team that creates we that creates us and that's the sport we're in this isn't tennis or golf it's a team sport and you got to have belief in each other you got to have guys that buy into what they're doing and and what uh what the game plan is for the team not for themselves and I think uh the last few games uh, you've started to see a group of guys buying into what they're doing and more importantly, trusting in each other and buying into each other. As it turned out last night, Jack, missing Sergi Baca wasn't such a bad thing. Pascal Siakam steps up, does a fantastic job on Kristaps Porzingis, but it's now the second time in about a month that the knee issue has flared up for Siakam, he hasn't looked like himself, at least not entirely here early in the season. How much of a concern should this be at this point? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know anything about the knee. Uh, the, the concern I have is when he does play, he needs to play better. Uh, point blank, bottom line. Uh, they need more energy from him. Um, uh, you know, I mean, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't need a, a six foot ten jump shooter. I need a, a bad dude who's rebounding, blocking shots, running the floor, playing with great energy. And, yeah, if you give me some occasional threes, I'll take that. But I need the other stuff. That's the stuff I want from my four. I want a bad dude who's going to guard people and do those things and then give me the, also the, 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 the cherry on top of the, uh, the cupcake, uh, you know, along with all that. Uh, you're going to give me the ability to stretch the floor as a stretch four. But I want the other stuff. And I think that's the thing they thought they were getting when they traded for him. And that's the thing they thought they were getting when they signed him uh, to stay. And you gotta get you got to get more of that on a consistent basis. Because there, there are times, honestly, that Pascal Siakam's out playing them. And to me, I think, uh, you know, again, being blunt – uh, that that's something that uh, is concerning. Uh, I think it's a great thing that Siakam is playing at times better, uh, but on the other hand, you, you have a major organizational commitment financially to a guy. And uh, again, I don't know anything about the Nice issue, but bottom line, when he does play and you lace him up, he's got to play better. And I think if he does, this team becomes that much better. Jack, lots of positive of late for the Raptors in terms of what they're doing. Um, not trying to rail on anyone's parade, but you kind of touched on with Serge, but they're 26th in the league in rebounding. What do you think this team has do collectively with the pieces they have to get better in that department? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a big part of it. You know, you need your fours and fives to be, you know, to be warriors on the glass. Uh, 
that, uh, you know, they got to go get it. You know, sometimes it's not just going to come to you. You got to go get it. You got to be physical and you got to have a nose for it. You got to go get it. And there's no doubt that Serge Ibaka, if you look at what he's been able to do in his career, he's been that kind of guy to do that. And they need him to get back to the level we know he can be at. And I'm sure he's the first guy that would tell you that, that he wants to get to that level and needs to get to that level. But I thought last night against a good offensive rebounding team, they held their own. I thought Valanchunas was was very, very physical with Cantor, who's a terrific offensive rebounder. Uh, Lowry and you know Van Vliet, those guys are tough little guys, man. They stick their nose in there. Lorenzo Brown, uh, I thought you know uh, Siakam played his tail off. Uh, you know, Pirtle, Naguera. I mean, Naguera, I mean, what, he had four blocks early on. He also had two deflections. You know, forget the crazy threes that he missed. <laughs> but, I mean, I thought he played super hard. And um, But you need, you know, you're going to need that. you got to rebound the ball. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, this team beyond Valanchunas is kind of a little bit slight. And they're not the greatest at blocking people out. Uh, but they got to get better at that uh, because, you know, it really hurt them in Boston. It really hurt them in San Antonio. And quite frankly, those are two games that, you know, if they rebound the ball, they would have won. You're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050. Kayla Gray, Josh Lundberg, Dwayne Watson, and on the line, TSN's Raptors analyst Jack Armstrong. Now, Jack, you know, we talked about all these pieces. It seems as though Kyle Lowry has finally arrived this year. What else does this team need? Ooh, uh, I think they need what we saw last night as a habit, uh, and that is playing hard. I mean, really playing hard. I mean, I think if you look at the loss to the Celtics on Sunday, and I said it on the air a few times this week, they got outplayed. They just got outworked. I mean, when you don't have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, you know, you should win that game. And they didn't because the Celtics in the hunger categories, beat the Raptors. They beat them on the glass, and they turned them over more. They just played with more of an edge. And to me, and yeah, it came down to one shot and one play. Well, when that happens, you put yourself in that position. you got to live with the result then. So I, I think that you see the Celtics Thursday night beat the Warriors. Why'd they beat them? They're not beating them with their offense. They're beating them with energy and effort and toughness. And I think if you look at the Raptors last night, they absolutely jumped the Knicks last night. I mean, they played hard. They were up into Porzingis. They were up under him. They were just relentless. And to me, you know, I I think if the Raptors play with that kind of energy and enthusiasm and toughness, you know, they could be very, very effective and, and efficient and good. I mean, and the offense... Again, I mentioned this before, we're starting to see some buy-in in terms of the ball humming and the style of play that they're playing and, and, and what they're trying to do. I think guys are starting to see what the vision is now. And uh, I just think if they, can, if they can really be one of those teams that's like junkyard dog, hungry, that kind of stuff, man, uh, they could be good. Jack, we're short on time, but I want to ask you about the small forward position. Norman Powell will be back soon, but OG Ananobi has done a nice job in the starting lineup, but of course, C.J. Miles is playing well uh, as well. What do you do there when Powell comes back? Uh, what would I do? I, I think that you know when a guy's truly established, 
then the guy gets his spot back. Like, with all due respect to Pascal Siakam, Abak is a truly established pro, and uh, you got to give him a chance to have his name announced. But, again, if he doesn't play the way he's capable of, then you got to be quick with the hook. Um, on the other hand, I think with a guy like Norman Powell, he's not an established pro. He's still a guy. He got, he got his money. Congratulations. But now, you, you know, he's got to play better. And I don't think he played to his level on both sides of the ball early in the year. And I would go with, with uh, OG Ananobi to start games. I think uh, you look at the matchup tomorrow with an Otto Porter, who's a terrific three, and, and you know Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, those are really good threes. I like both of them a lot. So I, I would personally do that, and I would get Norman Powell with the second unit. And I think with uh, DeLon Wright banged up right now, you know, I think Norman Powell gives uh, another, you know, ball handling semi presence uh, with that second unit. But he's got to be a guy that understands what the other four guys are doing. That unit's all about moving it, cutting, screening, passing, uh, energy, and he's got to match that with that group if he does play with that group. And I think there are times that Norm has a little bit of. Uh, he wears blinders sometimes, and he gets uh, one-dimensional when he plays. And when he's at his best, his awareness levels off the charts, and he's, he's aware of what the other four guys he's playing with are doing. And to play with that second unit, you've got to be that kind of guy. I think DeRozan plays so much better as an overall player when he plays with that group. Uh, Lowry has it in him to do that, and you see that. He loves doing that. And, uh, you know, so I think for Powell, that's going to be an adjustment. The first unit sometimes can be a little bit static and stagnant. And uh, I think it might help Norman get out of his funk, and it might help him uh, play better. Lots of moving pieces. Always a pleasure, Jack. And you will see him Wednesday, November 22nd, again on TSN, when the Raptors take on the Knicks. Okay, coming up after the break, Chase Hughes joins us as we tee up the Raptors game against the Wizards. You're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050 or streaming on the iHeartRadio app. Listening to Home Court on TSN 1050 Toronto. Kayla Gray with you, along with Dwayne Watson and Josh Lundberg. Well, before the break, I said Fred, Fred Van Vliet had the pleasure of talking to J. Lou. No, no. The pleasure because was you all know. mine. I've talked to J. Lou a lot. I don't know if this is defined as a <laughs> yeah, pleasure. It's, it, it's not a pleasure. <laughs> Whereas Fred Van Vliet, I'll say this. I've been around a lot of these guys over the last few years, a lot of different players. He is one of the absolute best uh, we, we talked about the maturity of these young players earlier. He gets it. He's a smart guy and uh, always cooperative with the media, always giving of his time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I chatted with him the other day. This is a big uh, week for him. It comes with a, a teammate going down, of course, which is never a great situation. But Van Vliet is yet another great underdog story on a team filled with great underdog stories. He doesn't look the part of an NBA player generously listed at six feet tall. But uh, while that was probably the biggest reason why he went undrafted, he has turned this opportunity with the Raptors 
initially from a partially guaranteed deal to a roster spot, now cracking Dwayne Casey's rotation. And once again, he's going to have another opportunity. Mm -hmm. It comes with the lawn right out. Uh, There's no timetable for his return after dislocating his shoulder. So this is Fred Van Vliet's show now with the second unit. He steps into the role as the backup point guard. So I asked him about this opportunity, which is sort of bittersweet coming with a teammate going down. And I asked him ultimately how he reconciles that and what he has to do to take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we're adults. I'm not, I don't feel, I feel bad for his injury. And you never want to see a teammate go down. You don't want to see anybody go down in the sport. Um, but I'm not, I can't sit around and, and pout and, and you know, cry for him. You know, I got to be ready to play tonight, and that's just the name of the game. And, and he would do the same if it was the other way around. Um, so you just got to be ready to play and, and step up. And the worst thing you can do is overthink it. And, you know, I think uh, we've been finding a little rhythm here lately with our second unit. And we'll just try to ad- adapt and adjust to that uh, with DeLon being out. He's a big piece of that. You've been making a career off of taking advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. What do you have to do to make sure you take advantage of this one? Uh, you just got to stay ready. Like I said, a lot of the work is already done. You just got to go out there and perform. Like That's why you work so hard in the summer. Um, that's why you work on your game. That's why you come in every day and prepare like a professional. And I come in preparing every day like I play 40 minutes a game and, and for opportunities like this. So, um, you know, hopefully I'm in shape. I'm not going to jinx myself. Uh, but, you know, hopefully I'll be ready to play some extended minutes and, and just try to continue to do what I do. And, and I'm not – I think I just – do what I do and, and, and try to do it well and, and that allows me to take advantage of opportunities so just try to contribute to winning that's all I care about with, with you and DeLon as part of that second unit it was sort of a 1A 1B situation at the point guard position and I'm sure you'll be uh, in there with, with Kyle some as well but when you're the point guard solo how do things change for you or do they uh, yeah, it, it does. I think when the ball's in your hand and it's your shoulder run, it can be a little bit different. So, um, you know, hopefully I can take advantage of that. And uh, I know it's, it's just an easier feeling when, when you have the ball more and you're able to get more possessions and just feel your way into a rhythm. And, and that's kind of the way I like to play is just try to feel the game out and take whatever comes my way. And um, I'm not sure how much time I'll have out there by myself without one of those other guys out there, but um, we'll just see. And, and the good thing is that part comes natural for me, so I'll be ready. And that was Fred Van Vliet, who had the pleasure of sitting with Josh Ludberg. Just kidding. Other way around. Again, you're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Kayla Gray. Filling in for Megan McPeak, who has the call tonight, or this afternoon, rather, as the Lakeland Magic come to the Hershey Center to take on the Raptors 905. Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg. And yeah, I mean, unfortunate circumstances, set of circumstances for the Raptors in terms of the injury and in my opinion, I'm not sure why anyone hasn't talked about the fact that this team has probably one of the worst schedules or toughest schedules to start off with in the NBA. I think we've talked about it. I think Josh, I mean, people in the city and who follow this team are definitely aware of that. I think the Raptors are still probably not getting that credit um, you know, in mainstream media, which I don't think affects this team at all. Right. But um, you look at some teams, like as you mentioned last night, Josh, the Knicks schedule. The Knicks. They, they have a, the Rocket looks good, but they had a bad schedule. Mm-hmm. Raptors have been on the road. The Raptors have been out west. And they face some tough matchups, and they come through. That was road game number five for the Knicks 
last night and yeah. going into the game, they had played the fewest number of road games in the NBA, whereas the Raptors were tied for second most with nine so far. And then uh, after tomorrow's game against Washington at home, they go out on the road again for three next week. So, it, I mean, it's been back and forth mm-hmm. pretty much since training camp, right? Because they spent the time in Victoria and Hawaii, went to Portland for an exhibition game, came home, and then it's, yeah. they've been basically living out of a suitcase ever since. Yeah, so we got the hashtag altitude game as well against the yeah. The schedule is weird. They they are in a stretch right now where they play seven games in 12 days, and then after that they'll play three games in 13 days, so a lot of days off there, a lot of practice time, and of course, as we know, the schedule will eventually come around. As tough of it as it's been, they'll get some friendly stretches coming up. Which I think, again, is a fortunate thing, whereas you probably want to have to deal with that adversity early Mm -hmm. on and and be able to go on cruise control a little bit towards the end of the season. You talked about the lack of continuity earlier in the show in terms of having your set core of guys, everybody finding a role. Now, with the injuries, and, and you know, you don't wish it upon any team, but it is likely that as the season progresses, we might see a little bit more. With this group where, I believe it was the Pelicans game, we saw 11 Raptors in the first quarter, 12 Raptors yeah. by the second, by, by the first half. Is this possible with this team? You know, Dwayne Casey has now taken a liking to this three-point guard lineup now that we see so frequently. Is this possible with this group to sort of have the set five and they can push on, or is Dwayne Casey even showing a little bit more creativeness as a coach? I think, I don't think that depth of going 11 or 12 men deep is kind of sustainable. I think it's kind of working between him experimenting and then having teams run through different matchups out and then having injuries. I think it's good to see what you have with the players you have mm-hmm. in order to step up, but I can't see that being something we're going to be seeing like in, in March and April in terms of like that deep. Um, the starting lineup will get solidified. I mean, it could be the same five. It could be a different five. Um, but definitely there's bodies that can come off the bench and contribute. But you know, some guys aren't going to be getting the minutes that they're getting right now. It's oh, possible. Yesterday was the ninth game in November so far, and it was the first one where Dwayne Casey used fewer than 11 guys in the first half. He only used 10, of course, the reason being mm-hmm. they didn't have three guys. So, yeah, I mean, the rotation has been... Uh, a large one, uh, an unusually large one in the NBA because generally teams only play nine or ten guys. It has been beneficial now with injuries hitting because, as I mentioned earlier, the guys that you're turning to now asking to step up, you're not asking them to come in cold having not played in a few weeks. Of course, that can be difficult for those guys. We've seen that in the past few years. Now you're just asking for players like Siakam and Van Vliet to play a few more extra minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, depth is a good problem to have, especially this early in the year. It's a long season. Injuries are going to happen. Maybe trades happen. Uh, I think there are a few different paths that they can take here. Maybe right. if a guy like Nagara really steps up, continues to play well, they've got this uh, glut of players at the center position. That could be something that they take advantage of at the trade deadline. Maybe they look to move a guy like that. Or at the end of the season, late in the season, going into the playoffs, when you're looking to cut the rotation down, you've got a choice who, right. who has yeah. been performing. Maybe you want to play the matchup. So these are a lot of options that Dwayne Casey has now going forward. Is this the most challenged he's been as a coach with this group in terms of when things are going right? Um, because this is a guy who's 
preach defense, defense, defense. And obviously, you know, when you're having a group that's holding the Knicks to 33% shooting, you, you have to take some pleasure in that. But to sort of see him switch hats and be this guy who's who's moving the ball more with, with the assists and always looking for this as soon as he gets that stat sheet to make sure that, his, <laughs> that that ball is moving. Is this the most challenging that he that he's had to be with this group? Uh, I think it's it's been a good situation for him to have in terms of having all these bodies who can step and contribute. I think, um, you know, you're right. He's always looking at, I mean, he gave Pascal the business on the oh, behind the back the behind pass. The back pass. <laughs> so he's always going to find something. To pick, even though they play a good game, like the Knicks game was a pretty much a perfect game offensively and defensively, um, but early in the season, these are good luxuries to have. I think you know he's always going to continue to push more. He's never happy. He's never going to settle. But I mean, so far he's done a good job with this team this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been an adjustment for Casey and the coaches, uh, in the, as well as it's been an adjustment to Lowry and the players because this is a different style of basketball that he's coaching. Dwayne Casey for many years was seen as more of a defensive-minded. Right. Coach, a defensive-minded leader, uh, but he is adapting to the changes in the NBA, the new style of play that a lot of teams are trying to emulate with the Rockets and with the Warriors doing as well as they've done uh, playing up-tempo. So, I mean, you look at the Raptors right now, they're 15th in the NBA in pace, about average. The, the Raptors have never finished above average in pace in this Dwayne Casey era. They've only ever finished above average in assists once in the Dwayne Casey era. That was in his first year back in 2011, and that team was not very good, to say the least. And now the Raps are, like, 7th, 8th in assists. Really impressive over the last three games. So he's done a nice job here, and he's the first to tell you, because we've we've called him a defensive-minded head coach. We'll slip it into a question every now and then, and he stops you right away. He says no. I'm a basketball coach, and he's proving that right now. You coach right. to your personnel, I think, and you coach to the, the way that the league is going. You've got to adapt. Adapt or die, as Dwayne Casey says. <laughs> yes, let's stick that in, in the bag of quotes that Dwayne Casey comes up Casey-isms, with. But one question yeah. that I want to ask our guest at 145, Jack Armstrong, is do the Raptors need another piece? And I want to quickly hear yes or no from you guys. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not going to get to the finals with this team they have right now. I mean, sorry, they're not going to win the finals. Right. Um, I think they need another shooter. Um, I think they got a lot of this stuff going on, but they definitely need the shooter. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. As we said earlier, you're relying so much on your two elite shooters, Lowry and Miles, because you don't have much depth there. Uh, you're, you're relying, I think, also on internal growth, hoping like guy, that guys like Siakam. OG Powell take a big step forward with the jump shot. They've been inconsistent. So adding a shooter somewhere would be ideal. But as we said, it's not like you're missing a position where you can add a guy into the road. Right. You're already playing 12 guys. <laughs> so I'm not sure where you would, how you would do that. Uh, I also wouldn't expect much movement this season. I think, if anything, it might be addition by subtraction, getting rid of a guy. And we'll hear from the voice of the Raptors here on TSN, Jack Armstrong, next. You're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050 or you're streaming it live on the iHeartRadio app.